to the inaugural episode of Generation Invincible, a brand new podcast on public health, healthcare policy, and social justice issues by millennial for millennials and anyone else that cares about the health problems facing our nation. I'm Abigail Meller, a recent graduate from the University of Georgia with a Bachelor of Science in Health Promotion and Behavior. For those listening, I know that every person, young or old, employed or unemployed, rich or poor, can relate to the feeling of having so much to say, but having nobody care enough to listen. So in our age of technology, I'm using a podcast as my metaphorical soapbox. If you promise to listen to the end of this episode, I promise this won't feel like a condescending lecture from your dad who has an opinion on everything. Hey, Dad. Okay, let's get started. Growing up in the South with two Northern parents, you may be able to imagine how my political views were developed in a conflicted environment. In fact, the day after Obama was elected in his first term, a parent turned to the impressionable preteens in his backseat and said something along the lines of, that's it, this country's going to hell, I'm moving to Canada. I sat quietly and rolled my eyes. Flash forward to the present where that sentiment has risen again with our current political situation, but that's a topic for a future podcast. Obama is now readying to leave office after two consecutive terms. The Affordable Care Act, once known as a bold idea for the Obama administration, has been fully implemented. But has it really? Today's podcast will focus on the Affordable Care Act, why 20-somethings should care about it, and what parts are failing to live up to our hopes and expectations. Obamacare, also known as the Affordable Care Act, was designed to essentially give health insurance and healthcare coverage to all Americans. Most of us have never thought twice about the $20 copay for a vaccine, wondered why we don't pay for birth control, or worried about not being able to afford surgery if we have an accident and break a leg or something. So yes, the title of this podcast is Why You Should Care About Obamacare as a Millennial. So here we go. The part of Obamacare that affects most, if not all, millennials is the clause that allows us to stay on our parents' health insurance plans until we reach age 26. Previously, insurance companies kicked off enrolled children when they turned 19. In 2010, aka before the law was enacted, 30% of Americans aged 19 to 29 were uninsured. That means that your $20 copay for a vaccine or booster shot, now without insurance, is between $50 and $200. You maybe have student loans and a part-time job or even a full-time job, but saving that money sounds pretty nice and ultimately may be the difference between catching the flu early on or ending up in the hospital later with even more medical bills. See how quickly that escalated? Reason one why you should care. Here's your next reason. With Obamacare, insurers cannot refuse to give you coverage or drop you due to a pre-existing medical condition. For example, my dad has a history of asthma. It's well-controlled as an adult, but his medical records probably have quite a few hospital visits from his childhood and young adulthood where he had severe, life-threatening asthma attacks. Now imagine an insurance company, which is a business, weighing the costs and benefits of adding a new client to their roster. If it's between a person with no serious illnesses or diseases, or the person that has a proven history of necessary emergent care due to a serious disease, which person do you think they're going to choose? And don't even get me started on all the terrible stories of families getting kicked off their health insurance because their child was diagnosed with cancer, leaving them struggling to pay their medical bills on top of their emotional stress. 
There you go, reason number two. I can go on and on with all the drawn out reasons for each point, but I think you get it. They all make sense. They benefit pretty much everyone. The other parts of the ACA that benefit you are that you have financial protections if you face serious illness, insurers can't charge higher premiums if you are a woman, and insurers aren't allowed to sell plans that don't cover essential health care benefits. Essential health care benefits include things like emergency services, mental health care, prescription drugs, maternity and newborn care, and a few more. There are 10 in total. It's obvious at this point that I fully support Obamacare. It is a really great program that has helped so many Americans so far. According to the Gallup Healthways Wellbeing Index, the uninsured rate has dropped from 18% in 2013 to a historic low of 11% as of the beginning of 2016. A more relevant statistic for my listeners, since the Affordable Care Act became law, the cost of healthcare has risen at the slowest rate in 50 years. Okay, now bear with me while we get down to the nitty gritty for a minute. Two huge changes to the healthcare system to increase coverage that came from Obamacare were states' health insurance marketplaces and the expansion of Medicaid. Let's first talk about the health insurance marketplace. The idea is that this gives Americans another option for where to purchase their health insurance. It's an online system for getting health insurance where competing private care providers offer different types of health insurance insurance coverage. If you're a 20-something and make lower than around, say, $43,000 per year, you likely qualify for cost assistance. So if you don't have options for health insurance from your employer and make less than 400% of the federal poverty level, you are eligible for cost assistance. Basically, the government will give you money to help make your health insurance more affordable, also helping you avoid the tax penalty for not having insurance. This is also known as the individual mandate. Anyone can use the marketplace to purchase health insurance during open enrollment, which is roughly from November to February. All states are required to have these marketplaces, and if they don't set them up themselves, the government comes in and does it for them. Here's the kicker. Every single plan is required to cover the essential health care benefits that I talked about before, pre-existing conditions, and preventive care. I'm going to let you finish, but preventive care is the best thing of all time. How many of you have had a checkup in the last year? I'm guessing close to nobody, and that is a problem. It doesn't take that long if you make an appointment, and preventive care is what catches things early on. Some of you may argue that you don't want to know if you're sick because you're scared, but wouldn't you rather stay healthy and fix problems early than let them go on untreated? A major reason why healthcare costs are so high are because people don't seek preventive care. Let's say a guy has a history of heart disease in his family and is a smoker, which, by the way, increases your risk of heart disease. He never gets checkups because he doesn't feel like it, slash wants to save money, slash doesn't want to know if he's sick, so he doesn't really know the status of his health. One day, he has some shortness of breath and feels a weird pain in his left arm. It's nothing, he thinks. But the next day, he's in the hospital having suffered a heart attack. Now he has thousands of dollars of medical bills that he just can't afford, with or without insurance. Since he doesn't have the money, the hospital absorbs the cost of his care, since they legally have to provide care for everyone. Hospitals do this every single day. And the result? Because they absorb so much cost of people needing emergent services that can't afford them, they're forced to increase the price of their services. Moral of the story? 
take care of your bodies, people. Your body is a temple, and if you give your temple preventive care, then you won't have to pay later on when your temple is falling to pieces. The second major change I'm going to talk about is state Medicaid expansion. All this means is making a program that gives health coverage to low-income individuals reach more people. With the changes, if a state has chosen to expand Medicaid, a person can qualify if their income is below 133% of the federal poverty level. That's a salary of less than $16,000 per year for one person. As of January of this year, 32 states, including D.C., have chosen to expand Medicaid. Although Obamacare was designed to require state Medicaid expansion, the Supreme Court ruled that it was just voluntary for states. This has resulted in a major problem commonly referred to as the coverage gap. This is the gap in insurance coverage between people who are not eligible for neither Medicaid nor the government tax credits to use on the insurance exchange. Today, 5.2 million people fall in this gap where a person's income is less than about $12,000, but they still don't qualify for Medicaid. How does this affect me, you may ask? Well, let's go back to that story of our smoker friend who had a heart attack. Add in the fact that he falls in this coverage gap in, oh, I don't know, my home state of Georgia (laughs) has an expanded Medicaid. (laughs) And we're right back to whatever hospital he's admitted to being forced to absorb the cost of his medical care and consequently increasing the prices of their services. Services that you will probably end up paying for at some point in your lifetime. Some of you may argue that you don't want your tax dollars going towards something that doesn't directly benefit you. In a sense, I get that times are tough and every penny counts. Hey, I may or may not be living at home right now to save money. Let me explain why state Medicaid expansion has a really significant return on investment that will ultimately boost the U.S. economy. I'll use Georgia as an example. Let's say Georgia invests $1 for Medicaid expansion. Using federal funds provided by law in the Affordable Care Act, their $1 leverages about $12.43 in federal money. Over 10 years, for each dollar that Georgia invests in Medicaid expansion, they get a return of $24.42. The numbers speak for themselves. State Medicaid expansion helps everybody, so we should all do it. The lack of Medicaid expansion by quite a few states is where I see the Affordable Care Act not living up to its potential. But should we be blaming the policy and those who wrote it for its failure? Absolutely not. Because if it was enacted in the way it was intended, a lot more people would be insured and our health care costs would be a lot lower. Honestly, at this point, we need health care and insurance reform that transcends political conflicts and focuses more on helping people and giving them their right yes, people, access to quality health care is a right, not a privilege, to health care. It may be a pipe dream, but I say, if you're going to dream, dream big. So to wrap up my inaugural episode, Obamacare is good, but it could be better. Thanks, Obama. And most millennials are hashtag blessed because we don't have to worry about our health insurance. To submit feedback about the first episode of Generation Invincible, ask questions, make suggestions for future episodes, Or if you just want someone to listen to what you have to say, email generationinvincible at gmail.com. Say whatever your little heart desires. Until next time, in the wise words of Mark Twain, Reader, suppose you were an idiot, and suppose you were a member of Congress, but I repeat myself. 